Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. Real Estate Coaching Radio is the nation's number one daily radio show for realtors who demand authentic, real-time coaching. Get ready for fluff-free, unfiltered, full-strength honesty about what's truly working to get you into action, helping others, and making money now in today's real estate market. Now to our hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Three, two, one, and we're back. Julie Harris, it is March 17th. Yes, happy St. Patrick's Day. And so uh, we're going to finish, I think, what we started talking about, which, by the way, I didn't tell you this, but the uh, show yesterday had a massive amount of downloads and listens. Good. Because it seems like there's a lot of introverted people out there that are appreciating the fact that we're yes. saying they can be just uh, incredibly successful, but not, if not more successful, than ext- extroverts. Indeed. I, yes. Although I did have a request from our Facebook Live. What did she say? She said... That's all great, but do you have something called uh, how to keep an extrovert focused? No. <laughs> I'm like, nope, but we'll Riddling. develop it for you. Riddling. Riddling. <laughs> um, so uh, Julie today was walking around our property here at the Ritz-Carlton Dorado, and guess who she stumbles across? Now, I want you to you know put this in perspective. Uh, she met Ricky Martin uh, the other day on the beach. And then we all met Dave Chappelle when he was here with his family. But today she was walking around and she comes across Sean Penn and his family just <laughs> hanging out, having a salad. Yeah. And of course, Julie, being Julie, doesn't really realize she just met Sean Penn until somebody told her. But that's not actually the cool and the funny part. So she goes inside this little restaurant and then she, um, uh, what, so you, it's your story. I Well, I was on an, on an errand doing something and I popped into this tiny little restaurant where I get Zoe because, you know, she's spoiled and all macaroons as a surprise, right? Where <clears throat> In which uh, on the way into the restaurant is where I saw Sean Penn eating salad with his family. And, you know, I, I say hi to everybody. I think I actually said hola to him because that's kind of what we do here. And then walked into the restaurant and, and in that 10 steps, I thought, I wonder if that's Sean Penn. And so I asked the, uh, the, gals that run the counter there who are mostly in their like early maybe, 20s maybe 22 right yeah i said is that sean penn and i said i know you, you're not supposed to tell me but is that sean penn and they're like who's that <laughs> and i said and there's a lady standing behind me and i said dude well he's a pretty famous actor i think that's him but that's okay if you don't know who he is and they they got all giddy and they go well yeah but there was an avenger here the other day and I was thinking to myself, you do know those are actors, right? Because they didn't say the actor's name. It was just there was an Avenger that had salad there. Um, and then the lady behind me, she goes, yeah, that's Sean Penn. He checked out right before I did. She's <laughs> like, funny? that's definitely Sean Penn. That's hilarious. It was funny. Anyway, you know what's extra funny is the fact that we're having mostly you have these cool experiences. Um, and if you think about where we came from. I know. It's hilarious. It is hilarious, isn't it? But it also highlights the fact that we probably should get out more. Because there's all sorts of, you never know what you're going to, who you're going to run into. Or Should I tell over. the Dave Chappelle story? Yeah. So I this was. This was like a month and a half ago, maybe. Oh, uh, maybe. I was out riding around on our golf cart. And actually, Jay Kinder was in the golf cart with us. Um, and uh, so this big group of tourists go by. I knew it was tourists because the Ritz-Carlton gives them these bikes that, you know, locals know are tourist bikes. They're blue and white. And so there's this big mob of people that that go by us and, um I pull over to the side to give him plenty of room on the bike path or on the cart path, really. And uh, Jay goes, that was Dave Chappelle. And I said, no way. And um, he said, yeah, it was absolutely Dave Chappelle. So then I spin the cart around and then we start driving, you know, back the way we came on the uh, golf cart path. 
And then we go up this hill and then go around this tiny corner. And then there's uh, Dave Chappelle. <laughs> and, there's, and what had happened is his um, glasses, his sunglasses had come off. And the guy that was behind him, who was an assistant, because the guy had a walkie-talkie. He wasn't security. He was just an assistant. Anyway, the assistant ran over Dave's sunglasses accidentally with his bike. So Dave is trying to get resituated, restarted on his bike, you know, and the hill's going slightly upward. So he's obviously having a hard time balancing. And I, uh, and, and so Jay and I are in the golf cart right behind him. And I said, so I said, Mr. Chappelle. And he looks over and I said, so you have, you have a choice. You either take a picture with us or we run you over. Okay. And then he looks back again with a big smile on his face and says, run me over. I'm on vacation. I know. It takes off. <laughs> and then jumps so on his, 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 yeah, we couldn't stop laughing. It was perfect. And yeah. uh, we never did get a picture with him, but we did see him a whole bunch of other times. But yeah. anyway. People so are generally is. pretty chill about seeing people. You yeah. Know? And there's a lot of security around here, so they probably feel comfortable. But yeah, it's, it's always random. Like as many people as we've seen a, a year and a half of living here, I never, I still don't expect to. You know, you just sort of come across people and it's very casual. Well, people don't talk about it. I mean, no. we're, we're the nerds because we're like, holy crap, that's Sean Penn. Most people are like, nah, eh, who cares? Yeah. I know. But, exactly. you know, it's because we're just, you know, poor people from Ohio. It's we're kind of badass. Truck. Truck. We're yeah. still starstruck, right? It's funny. Maybe we'll hey, run into him at the gym later. I hope not because he'll embarrass me. <laughs> he's kind of big. He's seriously caught. I think, I think, I think he's so. like in his 60s too. He may be pretty close to – because he, he was in those 80s movies when we were younger 80s, like middle school, high school. And he already must have been in his 20s. So do you know that movie, uh, Fast Times at Ridgemont High, that yeah. he was in when he was like the doper who was ordering pizza in school? <laughs> yeah. So do you know who else was in that movie? You might not remember this. is huh. uh, Matthew McConaughey. Was he really? Yeah, I, didn't, that funny? I forgot that. I guess, yeah, they're probably – when he's – No, um, Ma- Matthew's our probably, age. Yeah. Sean's older. That's interesting. We could always fire up the Google machine. But let's, le- let's, let's leave that – Let's just proceed. Yeah. Exactly. Let's leave that a mystery yet to be solved. But – here, ready for this connection? Mm-hmm. So we're talking about introverts in DISC. <laughs> and what many of you will might be surprised, or maybe you're not surprised at this point to know, is many of the people and the actors and whatnot that we're just talking about and the performers, they're not extroverts. They're actually introverts. And that's what surprises uh, a lot of people. When you have the epiphany that really to maybe to be a great actor or a great performer or, by the way, a great salesperson – it's more beneficial for you to be an introvert than it is to be an extrovert because the introvert is going to rely less on their nat- on their perceived natural talents yeah. and abilities, and they're actually going to take the time to study, to perfect the art, whereas the extrovert is going to arise, uh, arise at a certain level uh, in their careers, and then they're going to run out of talent, the studied introvert is going to surpass them at a clip and keep on rising because the introvert is disciplined and trained enough to know that they can't take any natural talent as far as being an extrovert or an introvert. You guys understand, right? Uh, They can't assume that their personality is going to win the day. So they are always perfecting their skill set and always perfecting their ability to be versatile. So we've said this before, and we do mean it. Our best coaching clients and Julie and I, I don't know if anyone's coached more agents at this point than Julie and I have. And I'm not bragging. You should be feeling sorry for us as I say that. <laughs> right. Really? Uh, but the reality of it is our best coaching clients, and I cannot think of a single exception, mm-hmm. not ones that are having good years occasionally, but I'm talking about the ones that are the super real, consistent. the super consistent ones. Maybe they're selling you know, hundreds of millions per year, or maybe they're making a million a year, or even 500,000 a year, but they're doing it disciplined. Mm-hmm. They've always been analytical people, always yeah. been introverts. I'd agree with that. And they, after they've studied it and got their skills going and gotten some experience, they absolutely use that to their advantage. I've mentioned that uh, 
the end of one of our points in yesterday's podcast that uh, I nicknamed them the Velvet Hammer mm-hmm. because they come off pretty amiable, maybe a little bit analytical, kind of chill. Well, they're indirect. You know, they're indirect. They're not bigger than life, you know, mm-hmm. and, and yet that's the person that'll get a listing presentation away from you if you're not paying attention. Well, it's, it, again, it's, it's easier. It's more common, or how do I even say this? There's less persuading from a coaching perspective and coaching necessary to get an introvert to be versatile there's not even a comparison no, versus an extrovert no. to be versatile. I have a new coaching client named Daniel. Okay. And he's a great example of that already quite successful by his own right. And first coaching call, he's like, just tell me what to do. I'll do it. Exactly. There's no arguing. There's no consternation. There's no my way, better way, reinvent the way. He's just like, just give me a plan. Yeah. And that, uh, that goes back to the thing nice. I'm noticing on our clubhouse, but also noticing on our podcast listens and the comments and all the ways we, yeah. you know, the ways we communicate with the world and the world communicates back with us. I am 100% positive that the wave of agents getting into the business now, um, that and the wave's just getting started. People can see this massive wave that's way on the horizon, but no one's really prepared for it. I think that the quality and the talent and the mindset of the people getting into the real estate industry right now, that is the biggest threat to the agents that are in the business right now, not technology, not interest rates, not it's their complacency yeah. because the new generation of agents getting into the business will, if, from what I'm seeing are coming in with, maybe it's just the nature of the people we're attracting. Could be. Um, and maybe I'm making too general of a statement, but I've been incredibly impressed with some of the people I've come across. I mm-hmm. talked with someone today who was um, a podcast listener. I don't remember what they're a coaching client, right? And so they wanted to join EXP, and I, so I, I called them. They texted me, and I called them back. And this person had already sold um, – you know what I'm talking about. Excel. She, and I, I talked to her originally a couple mm-hmm. – you know. But she had already sold two million, four houses. She's only been in the business since January. Mm-hmm. She's already uh, – I think it was $4 million of the volume in business. But when talking to her, it's like I don't have to talk her out of doing ego-passive things. She totally is completely locked in, and she's going to be professional. And her goal this year, I forget what she said, 35 houses or something. Mm-hmm. And she's in an average sale price area where the average commission is fifteen grand. Yeah. There is no doubt in my mind that she's going to do it. No, you can kind of tell, can't you? I'm talking Isn't that about, interesting? I'm talking about you, Tammy, if you're listening. <laughs> I knew that's who it was. Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, no, the, point, the, the point of it is, is that um, if agents, if you're listening to Julie and I talk every day on this podcast, hopefully you're reading our book. Hopefully you're you know staying true, you're staying focused, follow one course until successful because this era of being a Pop-Tart agent who is just chasing this shiny objects, I'm not going to say it's going to end, but I'm saying you guys are going to struggle even more because these new people getting in are not going to make the same mistakes that you did. They have the benefit and a lot of them have the intellect, frankly, to learn from the mistakes of others without having to make the mistakes themselves. And the pro- proliferation of um, content, not all of it good that's out there, is helping them to quickly and easily uh, decipher what path they're going to follow with the creation of the real estate business. And and again, I, I'll tell you again, I, I say this probably too often, but the new agents are the ones I'm most excited about. Yeah, me too. There, I, I see it from uh, them studying and like trying to figure out a mousetrap for this whole buyer situation. So the, I mean, honestly, the little bit more experienced agents that have been around the block, they're like, I shouldn't have to compete with 20 extra offers. They should just, don't they know who I am? They should take my offer. Right. And they, the get, they get pissy about it. Right? right. And then the newer ones are like, you know what? I've heard about this way to win where you get a loan commitment, you get the lender to call the listing agent well, and, you know, these other strategies. And they're like, I'm going to do that. They're, it's like they're more open to the coaching of it. They don't have bad the baggage. information to overcome. 
Yeah. And a lot of agents, without knowing it, have bad information they have to overcome. And or always, history. You know. But it always goes back to, like, the, the best example that we can come up with <laughs> is the example of you learning to play piano the right way this, sure. you know, the hundredth time. Yeah. So you can encapsulate that story for those that haven't heard it before because it's valuable. Well, basically, you know, I've always been a musician since I was a kid, but I was mainly, I took flute lessons and piccolo, and that was my main instrument. This, but, this would be a good tie-in yeah. back to our topic, which we will get back to in a second. <laughs> Somehow. Julie, in case you haven't figured it out yet, is the world's... And I say this with love and respect, biggest introverted dork you've ever met yeah, by nature. Definitely. Even to this day, even though after I've worked on it. Well, so I used to take piano lessons, as many musicians do, as just sort of like a basic education because everything stems from piano and it's just good for you, right? So I took piano lessons from my flute teacher. And as a kid, how would I know the difference? You know, I was, I went to some piano competitions. I always was like class C instead of class A, but I, you know, I held my own. And then later in life, I wanted to get back to piano And when we were living in Las Vegas. And so I had a great piano, looked up a teacher who actually went to Juilliard, actually was a star in, um, I think he still is, in Cirque du Soleil with a, like this crazy piano show he does. It's Cirque du Soleil in like freaking Middle East someplace. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Singapore, I think. I yeah. can't remember. Yeah. But probably other places now. But, you know, the real deal. Okay. So it wasn't until I took piano lessons from him who was, you know, an actually trained piano aficionado that I realized all of my backwards hacks and workarounds and so much stress and that piano had been so much harder than it probably would have been had I started out right with him that it was painful because he was reprogramming me and I feel that as a coach when we have to do some reprogramming of getting rid of those workarounds and that baggage and thinking that you learned it the right way when you didn't actually learn it the right way all of that and it you know that's way more stressful than just you know doing what you need to do when you need to do it. <laughs> the, the biggest you know? the biggest issue, and I this obviously is not new information, but it's interesting on this clubhouse in particular, which is kind of on some mornings like a big group, you know, uh, counseling session yeah. in some cases. Mm -hmm. But the thing that's fascinating to me is all of them, every single person that we ever have up on stage, they know that they should be doing proactive lead generation. Yeah. They know what that means, but they they'll they've most of them have never ever done it. Like I bet you ninety nine percent of them have never actually done it before. They've heard rumor that it works, but they don't want to do it and they need to have enough repeatedly average or bad experiences like over and over again for them finally to accept the fact that they do have to do what they don't want to do and they don't want to do it at the highest level. And some of the things that are going to benefit the most in, you know, business and work, business and personal life are the things that you want to do that you don't want to do at, at, at all ever at any level. At, you know what I'm saying? So the hardest things are the things that generally speaking are the things where you're going to see the most growth. And um, it is fascinating to get people, especially the marketing uh, motivated types, the ones that, have, frankly, in our humble opinion, have been taught wrong. You should have a proactive lead generation based business that's marketing enhanced. And by the way, once you do the proactive lead generation based business approach that we coach you guys to do, you'll probably never want to do the marketing because you'll see it for what it is. Well, you but, won't have to do it. Right. But the problem that agents have now is if they've only grown up in real estate in the past maybe 10 or 12, maybe even 15 years, Everyone's been telling him, except us, to do it the right way. I mean, the wrong way. Everyone's been telling him to do marketing-based, prospecting, enhanced. But what happens is the marketing-based agents never learn how to do the prospecting. They never actually learn how to do that work. And because they've invested so much time, and I totally, completely understand and sympathize with them, because they've invested so much time and energy in the marketing stuff, it's all, they almost it's, it's too difficult for them to admit that maybe they made 
didn't make the best business decision when they started down those pathways before. And it's so unbelievably painful for them to, you know, go back the other direction and trying yeah. to change course again, because admit their egos have to accept the fact that maybe they made bad, bad decisions. And here's the, I say this, and I know sometimes some of you guys can totally understand. You are not the problem. Your effort is not the problem. The business model that you're pursuing or we're pursuing is the problem. You're great. Given the right information and opportunity, um, and content, you're going to kick serious ass. You've just got to stop doing, you've got to stop trying to make work something that will never work. And once you accept that the marketing stuff uh, is not going to get you into the end zone is uh, the fastest and the most efficiently with the most amount of profit, you, once you, you have to, you will intellectually accept it. And then your emotions are, if you're not ready for that, your emotions are going to kill off that uh, intellectual um, epiphany. Because your emotions aren't going to want you to admit that you have to go the other direction and finally learn to do and accept that everything you want in life is on the other side of doing what you don't want to do and you don't want to do at the highest level. But once you have that acceptance, then the, wor the world truly is your oyster. So that's the difference between a lot of the new agents, at least the ones that cross our path or we cross theirs, uh, and the agents that have been in the business for a while. The new agents want to learn the right way so they can get to the top of the mountain the fastest. And furthermore, they can look, especially the younger ones, frankly. Now, remember, new agents doesn't mean young. New agents could mean people our age, too. A lot of those guys, too, and guys and gals as well, you know, that are coming at this as their second or third career. And they, too, are a formidable challenge to a lot of you guys because a lot of them have a real formal business backgrounds. You know, where they only know how to t approach things one way, which is professionally, and they know how to hold themselves accountable to the numbers. Those, that group of people will also eat your lunch. And they're not going to be susceptible to pursuing the shiny objects, a.k.a. social networking and whatnot. But the new agents, the group that I find extra interesting to talk to and to communicate with, are these ones that are in their early 20s mm -hmm. because they've grown up, they've never known a world without the internet and they've yeah. never really known a world without social networking. Mm -hmm. And they see social networking for what it is. Mm -hmm. And when you talk with those guys, um, you know, online or whatever, and they're communicating what their perception of the social networking stuff is, they are usually so spot on with seeing it for what it is as essentially being a, f a flight of fancy that they don't understand why other people aren't just listening to what we're saying for the most part. This is what they'll say. And just going right after, after the sellers that actually have their hands in the air saying, yes, come list me. You know, the amount of time and money you guys spend trying to generate leads and build a brand for the sake of generating leads, it absolutely makes no sense. Uh, spend that same uh, effort at trying to, you know, working on perfecting your skills of being a proactive lead generator. And then, guys, everything you want in life is on the other side of accepting that that is the quickest way up the mountain. And by the way, once you're at the top of the mountain, you can keep climbing to the next level and the next level after that once you have the skill set. So yeah. we are talking this week <laughs> about essentially the introvert's guide to everything they want in life. And like I said yesterday, Julia, was a hit home run podcast. Good. I'm glad they're enjoying it. Yeah, they well, do something with you've it. this is incredibly well written. And by the way, guys, Julia is reading notes directly from our best-selling book, Harris Rules. If you guys want to pick that up as well, it's available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and everywhere your nearest bookstore. Oh, before you get to your next point, thank you for reminding me. Yep. Uh, we are doing a webinar where we're going to be interviewing, it might be as many as eight top-producing agents. All of these have been associated with our coaching company. And some of these uh, agents are the most successful agents in the world. You have to attend this event, and I want you to uh, absolutely consider yourself invited. Just text the word Harris, H-A-R-R-I-S, to 855-685-1045. 
text the word Harris, H-A-R-R-I-S, to 855-685-1045. And when you do, we're going to text you back a link, and then you can just register for the event. That's simple. And uh, we're going to be doing maybe two or three of these in the next week or so. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're doing everything we possibly can to help all of you get as motivated as you possibly can to make this the best year in real estate that you've ever experienced, even if you're brand new, especially if you're brand new, like Tammy, who's going to sell 35 houses or more her first year in business. Exactly. All right, so if you've missed our previous points, get caught up on the podcast because we're going to start with point number six on the Introvert's Guide to Being a Real Estate Rockstar. Point number six, all this is practical and tactical, so I hope that you integrate it into your life. Number six, give yourself mini breaks during social situations so that you can recharge. Take a break, walk around outside, take a restroom break if you're at a restaurant, avoid too much alcohol or caffeine because both can knock you off of your well-planned game. It's okay to take a breath. I will never forget being at one of these big um, real estate seminars. It was at a hotel. I can't remember where it was, but there were like two or 3,000 people there. And I, I ran into a coaching client that I knew. Palm Desert, I remember. I think it was, it was awful. Palm Desert. Yeah, yeah. And it was like too many people, not enough elevators type situation. And the air conditioning didn't work. It was awful. And it know? was in August. Yeah. And so we're all standing outside the elevator to go back to the room and have a lunch break, right? I ran into this coaching client that, that looked like, you know, she's really like isolating herself. You could tell she's maybe saying some affirmations and she wouldn't get on the elevator with the big crowd. She's like, do you know where the staircase is? I'm like, I totally get it. Let's go. <laughs> you know, and that was taking a break from being in the crowd, not wanting to be stuffed in an elevator with people. And she was obviously clearly self-monitoring to refill the cup so that she could do the afternoon session. And I really respected that. I call that self-monitoring. Not everybody's good at it. You have to train yourself at it, but it's okay to take some breaks. All right, number seven, cultivate the habit of listening well. Many introverts are too focused on what to say next and miss the finer details of what the other person is saying. The cure for this is to repeat a little bit of what you just heard. What I hear you saying is, or I understand, or you're saying that, Without being awkward about it, right? Well, that's, so that's a very interesting point. Yeah. So again, that's a natural talent that an introvert's going to have because they are so contemplative of what they're going to say next. Yes. To a fault sometimes until they catch themselves. And so one of the best ways to fill the void between what you're going to what they said and what you're going to say next is do what Julie just suggested. Repeat and affirm what they just said so they know you listen to them. And that benefits you in two ways. A, you have a time to an opportunity to formulate your thoughts, but B, they actually appreciate the fact that you're letting them know that you actually were listening to what they said. Versus an extrovert who's not versatile is going to and frankly I run into this problem personally where sometimes I'm talking to somebody and if I'm not monitoring myself, I will not give them an opportunity and I'll talk over them. And I'm not talking about in coaching. I'm just talking about in life. So I have to constantly be monitoring myself that I I actually will repeat and affirm what they said. And that's not I'm not doing it to formulate my thoughts. I'm doing it to slow myself down. So I'm being respectful to, the, to whatever they just said. Professionally and personally, I, I practice that. Um, but, but you're doing it on purpose. Yeah. And you're slowing yourself down. You're listening for content so that you can have a better conversation. I'll give you an example of this. Um, Oftentimes, our coaching clients will send me a little sampling of their prospecting. And typically, when they do that, they've gotten to a point where they're like, I'm using the script exactly. What's wrong with me? And indeed, they are actually saying the script. But they are, so the scripting is not inaccurate. It's that they will say something, a script is a question, 
the person on, you know, the prospect will answer it, but they'll totally miss it. And they'll just go on to the next question. It's like, they're, it's like a one-sided conversation, which obviously makes it harder to close somebody. So I just thought of a great analogy mm-hmm. and we can use a Zoe analogy or a Julie analogy. You choose. <laughs> Let's do a Zoe one. Okay. So Zoe is seven years old and she is reading at a great, what, what she's, in She's first technically grade. a third grade reader. Yeah. For yes, this is a great example. Okay, so Zoe will read at the third at third grade. She'll like sit around and, and grab one of our books in our office, and she'll start reading it. And you're like, how is this little house gnome able to read words? Yeah. But what the teachers have told us is she can read the words, and she loves to show off yes. how well she can uh, articulate things. But she's not understanding what she's reading. Yes, it's the reading comprehension that they're working on. And in fact, they said this is not an unusual thing. Um, and we see it in coaching clients, too. They learn the script. They want to use the script. That's awesome. But she's not always understanding what the page that she read, what happened in the story. Okay. So, so they said they're not going to allow her to go up in levels of things she has access to until she demonstrates the ability to actually have content. How do they do that with kids is they ask them questions about what they just read, right? But there's also something else probably going on. They she's don't want to have to deal with a first grader that's now reading at the fifth grade level. Probably. And that's probably what's going on. It could be. But I'll give you another example. Mm-hmm. I think we, you were in, like, Julie and I were dating when we were in high school, but I think it was college, actually. I remember you were in a contest, and the criticism, which crushed you at the time because you didn't understand it, was, yeah. you know what I'm about to say? Is you this the remember. piano one? I don't I remember if it was remember. piano or flute. They said you, don't, you aren't playing musically. Oh, yeah. Which, that, was, that, that would be piano, probably. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because I was uh, playing technically. That's a good example. I was playing technically, but not musically. And you can't actually play musically until you're better technically. So explain. So, you know, the, it's the difference between like, um, you know how sometimes you can hear, like you fall in love with a song. Say it's a rock song of some sort. And you really love that artist because that song really resonates with you. And then you hear somebody else doing like a cover of that, and it just doesn't even strike you at all because they're they're a copy of it. It's not the same passion. It's not the same musicality. They don't do the same turns and twists to the song. They're just doing it technically. They're singing it. Would you would, would you use the word passion or would you say use the word emotion? I don't know. I think I would I would use them interchangeably. What if you don't even particularly like the music? You're just having to play it par for an orchestra. Can you still play it musically even if you don't particularly like it? You can, but you have to work a lot harder at it. That's a professional. Yeah. That's the difference. You can because you know you know what to do with it. But that's the difference, And it's right? also exactly, you know, we say with scripts, you have to memorize, internalize, and then personalize. Right. If you try to personalize first, it is not going to work. And this is confusing to agents because this is this is one reason why they get off of scripts. Well, I don't want to sound scripted. Let, let's tie it back into yeah. what you just said because that was you just said something brilliant. Mm-hmm. So the memorization is what you had done to remember to memorize that music so you could remember the whole – because yeah. when they do these uh, contests, guys, with flute or piano, uh, they're, you know, they're long – no sheet music. They play without sheet piano, music. Piano, you have to do memorize. They have to do the whole damn thing memorized, which someone like me, trust me. I, I didn't even like watching <laughs> her do it. I, I would be so freaking nervous <laughs> watching. Anyway, so she had yeah. gotten to the point where she – okay, here's my script. It's the sheet music. I'm going to memorize it, but what she never really did is she never really internalized it. The internalization yeah. is where you learn to play musically, and then as you learn to play, you more start expressively more expressively that. with more emotion, and then you basically can personalize it. Yeah, per- but you can't do that if you haven't gone through all the steps. Right. You can't. But that's what you're. That's yeah. the reference yeah. you're saying when you listen to a cover band play yeah. music, and they're playing it technically correct, yeah. but they're not playing it really musically, not or they're not playing with any emotion. That's right. right. And you can have, I mean, you can have conversations that are perfectly scripted 
but why are you not able to connect with somebody? Why are you not able to close them? And this is why doing it repetitively, and that doesn't mean for years and years in most cases, um, you know, you learn it, you internalize it, then you can personalize it. And then that's when it starts working. So sometimes when I listen to these recorded calls, like the words are okay, but it's not a conversation. And I think that can be really frustrating until you push through that. Well, and I, I give you an It's ex- the epiphany yeah. of realizing yeah. that, that the goal is to listen to what they're saying, yeah. but really understanding the context of how the script is written yeah. so, and not So you can it. do something with it. Right, exactly. Right? Well, yeah. it, but that's really what we're saying here. It's, it's sort of like, you know, you're, you're good, your new bestie, Sean Penn, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, whether you think he's a good actor, he's not, you, whether you do or don't. The fact is, he obviously is or he wouldn't be in, you so know. So many movies. Right, so yeah. many movies and whatnot. And uh, you remember that recent thing we watched about him on Netflix? Yeah. Do we even get through that? I don't no, think we no, do. It's so, so boring. I know. It was terrible. But well, he was good. Yeah, he was good. But the, the script, terrible. Right. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah. the, the point well, being is, is yeah. he probably at this point in his career, mm-hmm. he's able to take the script and he he realizes that what the audience really want is they want that emotional connection. Sure. And this is this is really a really good point. Mm-hmm. There people will buy from a sense of emotional connection with you, and you. But your first thing you're doing when you're so so if you think about that, you don't ever buy anything. I, there's not a single product, not even toilet paper, that's not bought or sold uh, based off of it, it's always emotions. Yeah. You're buying every single buying decision you've ever made or ever will make is rooted in an emotion that you hope to have or maybe even uh, the product is trying to lead you to believe that you'll have once you buy said product. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I was remembering you and I were doing this, <laughs> had that same statement. We were in front of a group of people and someone said, trying to be funny, and it was funny, they said, what about toilet paper? How is toilet paper sold in emotion? And I remember Julie said something along the lines of, what about the, what was it, the huggy the, the bear? The fuzzy little huggy bear or the snuggle bear, you yeah. know? Well, you're, you're supposed to think that it's going to, feel like a snuggly bear i guess i don't know well know. To, but, but soft and cuddly but i but i of course you know julie took the high road on the answer <laughs> but i then went for the low road just for you know to, for the comedic value. for the comedic punch right and i said so you are actually you are using toilet paper for uh, emotional reasons because you don't want to not uh, have cleaned yourself properly to the point where the people around you won't want to be around you. Turned so out. you are making decisions emotionally, even about the things that have hypothetically the least amount of emotions yeah. attached to them. You know, <laughs> literally something you throw away urgently. Yes. I mean, so I, it, it, you could, it, that was just us trying but to it, have some but fun. But it is in, It, it does make a point. Well, right. um, one but, of the, yeah, go ahead. So, so ultimately, learn the script as it's written analyticals you're good at that but that's only step one that's only step one and where you guys are failing to but intellectually if you understand this then you can move forward and so like if you're trying to say well what you're still not understanding what we're trying to convey let me just put it this way when you it does not matter how buttoned up analytical driver you know black and white cut you know all that you are here's the thing and by color palettes that's usually the color palettes that most analytical driver types like grays you know mauves black and white like go into their houses and you'll see what i'm talking about but when you are, if, if you were to see that person reading a book to their kid, to their seven-year-old daughter, you know, okay. so last night I'm walking to the, our, we have our foyer in this villa we live in, and on this uh, ottoman that's out in the foyer, there's this upturned box that's completely wrapped in green, like tissue cellophane paper. and tissue paper. And then there's a stick that's, pro- it's like an old school, like rabbit trap. And then there's a stick, like a real stick that's propped up the box and inside the box were bells and shiny Andy. objects, and there was a stuffed animal. And then Zoe had written, and I didn't even know about this. I don't think Julie did until she <laughs> no, saw I it. Had no idea. Zoe had actually set up what she had written on the box, a leprechaun trap. 
Yes. I didn't ask With you. treats what, inside. Yeah, so she put – she actually had created – and she tied this little uh, fishing line basically from the stick – to the bells and bangles and whatever, with the idea that the leprechaun's going to reach in there and the stick's going to trap him. I mean, she did and this And the bells on her would own. alert her in the middle of the night. Yeah, exactly. The bells would alert her. So Julie and I saw this. And of course, we took the stuff out of the box. We, we clipped the wire. And then uh, we put um, some of Zoe's favorites. Uh, it was like a chocolate bar or something. We What did you put in there? Something it like that? It's called a kinder bar. It's just like a chocolate wafer bar. Yeah, so we put that in, in the box. And then we wrote in leprechaun handwriting. <laughs> Zoe trap. Yeah, so took all this stuff and laid a trap for her. What happened her. with that? I have a video for you. Oh, it's so was did, hilarious. Did she believe She's it? Like, yes, she was beside herself. <laughs> I can't believe he took all the candy and then set a trap for me. <laughs> yeah, and then well, it was set up for a while. She was going to surprise you, and then Max, our Frenchie, stole everything and tried yeah, to destroy, destroy it. it. But I did well, get a good video. How did we you. get to that point, though? There was a good point we were chasing. I, I don't remember. <laughs> we ended up on that. <laughs> but, it, it, but it was something along the lines of essentially, um, you know, uh, emotions right yeah so when you're when you're like analytical so this is where mm-hmm. it was so the analytical bridge okay the reading of the child's book see i made it back okay, there good. i made it back there <laughs> it was arrived. a little painful but we got there <laughs> so yeah that's the thing you take the most buttoned up accountant cpa never smiles or shows emotion at all and you give that person a child's book and you give them their kid and you're gonna all of a sudden see that person starting to read that book with all kinds of you know emotion And they're trying to convey the story to the kid and the whole thing. So every single one of you, no matter how buttoned up you think you are and driver-like and I can never be like that, I'm not going to be some gregarious, demonstrative, you know, cheerleader type. Don't be that way. Imagine yourself reading a book to a child and then you're going to manifest with inside of you exactly what we're talking about. Yes, which is also versatility. Yep. So I, I will uh, challenge them. One of the things that you can see uh, this very clearly demonstrated, I don't know if this is still on or not. It's probably on YouTube. You remember the Actors Studio? Yeah. Okay, so one of the ones that I remember was an interview with Johnny Depp, who, you know, Pirates of the Caribbean and all these characters that are bigger than life. I mean, I think you would guess that he's probably expressive based on those characters, right? No, he's like the most low-talking, totally oh, yeah. chill Keanu Reeves. Keanu Reeves is famous for being a pain in the ass interview. Same way. Because they don't give it naturally. One of our coaching clients Mm -hmm. helped work with Tom Cruise. Same way. Right. I believe that. Another one of our coaching clients worked with, uh, what's his name? Charlie Sheen. Yep. Total extrovert. Oh, that's interesting. Charlie Sheen, total extrovert. Right. Always about, you know, Charlie was bigger than life. Yeah. So, but all these other guys, um, another one of our coaching, I can rattle off all these famous people. You know, because we've been coaching agents for two decades, mm-hmm. um, you know, that you they're always introverts, always to a person. They're introverts. Yeah. And they chose to be actors because it was some they enjoyed it. It was some it was an artistic event for them. And a mm-hmm. lot of them chose to be actors or performers because they were trying to shake free of their um, inherent introvertedness. And they wanted to connect with more people. And by being an actor, it allowed them it gave them um, a uh, essentially a sandbox to be unlike themselves. To develop it. To develop it, right. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. kind of, the, that's a really fascinating thing. So I think you and I, I think we've, we've beaten this one pretty good. Yeah, we'll, but, we'll continue tomorrow. But yeah. it is interesting to think about. And if I go back to Sean Penn today, you know, he wasn't like out there entertaining the crowd, look at me. He, he was, now he was on vacation, so I don't know, you know, what he's really like. But he was very, uh, looked like a grown-up, chill skater dude, kind of. Just like sitting there having Kind of what he is. Yeah, I mean. Yeah. But it, it wasn't like. He wasn't making a big deal about anything, and neither was anybody else. And you wouldn't have known had you not, you know, been that close to him. 
So I think it's interesting to watch. Maybe you guys, uh, as homework, actually pick up a few um, actor studio interviews of people you might be interested in and ask yourself before the interview, who do I think they're going to be like? And then compare that to how the interview goes. It could be interesting. But I think the long and short of it is that the more versatile you are, versatile means the ability to deal with many different types of people in many different types of situations with a good outcome. How would you address the analytical person who's listening i was just thinking about where mm-hmm. an analytical agent with a big ego is going to mistranslate what we're trying to say because right. a lot of them are going to say you're trying to tell me to be fake no i'm i'm trying to tell you to trying to encourage you to develop your personality on other levels that's right to be more without ver- losing your soul right to be more versatile for the sake of being able to have uh, essentially more human contact to expand your repertoire of who you can be of service to and your human connection. I mean, just being exactly like you are. And this, truthfully, this mm-hmm. is where introverts, this is their biggest failing for the most part. I think They're, so. They, they, mm-hmm. they fight the most with uh, the, all their friends are analytical. All their hobbies are around analytical people. They're not, they have the most tendency because they're naturally introverted. They have fear almost, or they develop fear mm-hmm. the longer they don't change, sure. don't become more versatile. Don't work on it. And, and I remember, I mean, you and I have been married for 30 years this year. Mm-hmm. And when we got, I, I can kind of remember a little breadcrumbs of you sort of coming out of your shell. And, you know, most of it happened, truthfully, when you're probably in your early 30s. Probably. That's how long it took for you to really sure. kind of, you know, move past your, um, and, yeah. and, and everyone in your family was analytical. Mm-hmm. Your, everything was around you was yeah. analytical. And as soon as you started to come up and more into real estate, and you were well, being, I had to, I had to learn. You had to be versatile, yeah. And and beyond that, I mean, I'd be a pretty crappy coach if I could only coach analytical people. Totally. You know, I love some of my you know super expressive clients. I think they're a lot of fun. But definitely, you know. A couple decades ago, I probably would have been a lot more intimidated by that and had to, or or uncomfortable with it, right? Well, you know, the thing that's also true is you and I both seek out uh, friends, personal non-business friends that are expressive. Did you notice that? I I think I subconsciously do that because they make everything easier. Yeah. (laughs) And because, you know, honestly, they are, tend to be very good connectors because Mm -hmm. they know everybody everywhere and they're comfortable to be around. You know, they're not all fussy about things. So I don't know. I mean, I think it's good to, to have friends and, and, you know, hang around with multiple different types of personalities just for your own benefit, but to not be so stuck in who you are, you know, I mean, who you are changes every single day of your life. It changes if you, would, if you allow it to. Right. And guys, listen, at the end of the day, we're trying to help you. We're not trying to, we're trying to help you and entertain you. We're trying to get you to be introspective. Um, and uh, we're trying to make it so that you can give yourself an opportunity to have a richer, fuller life. Because really everything we talk about is you know, designed to help you get into action, helping more people and make more money. But you guys all know it's a direct translation to having a richer, fuller personal life as well. Mm-hmm. You know, If you take some of the things that we just shared with you and you look around your immediate family and you look around yourself and you, the, the relationships your kids are having with different kids and Maybe you're getting some, you know, inspiration to try to change direction yourself or at least to improve your relationships with other people. And then in doing so, you're going to inspire other people to do the same. So, hey, I think this was fun today. Yeah, definitely. I cannot believe you we'll freaking meet Sean Penn. You know, <laughs> well, I'm gonna... you got to get out and, you know, maybe we'll see him in the gym. Yeah. Or on yeah. our walk. Or on our walk. I guess, I don't know. Where do you think you'd hang out? I'll, I, you I'll... know what I was thinking? I wonder if he's moving here. Because, no. you know, there's people coming from California everywhere.
Mm, no, I doubt it. Probably no, not. No, he's just he's vacationing here, which tells me he's probably staying at one of the hotel properties. Yeah. Which means I know now. Prices just went up on everything. <laughs> I, I now know where to stalk. There you go. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get out my telephone. No, I'm kidding. So listen, guys, you have a fantastic day. You can connect with us anytime. If you guys want to join our eXp family, um, we're always looking for agents to sponsor. Just text me directly, 512-758-0206. And remember, guys, yes, we want to personally sponsor you at eXp. Uh, text us at 512-758-0206, and Julie Harris will be your personal sponsor. Uh, 512-758-0206. Have a fantastic day, and we'll talk with you on the show manana. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris, Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time, thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>